0: All
1: right, welcome to now. This is podcasting. I'm your host Connor, and uh, today we gonna we're starting off October with uh, some spooky movies, and uh, we're gonna do a two parter here. Uh, you're listening to part one of The Witch, and then uh, later on in the week we'll release part two. Uh, but we're excited to do a deep dive on this one. So go ahead and uh, throw on your headphones, relax, and uh, let's get started on a uh, part one of our review of The Witch. So we're talking about The Witch today.
2: The v- witch. <laughs>
1: Um, you have a quick fun fact about that, like why it's spelled like... So, yeah, uh, the two Vs were used uh, pre-17th
2: century as a W, um, which is crazy because this movie is based in the 17th century, which means they would have just switched over to
1: uh, what we see now as a W. Yeah, so it's kind of cool. It kind of like fits that time period. Yeah, I like Very it.
2: close to fitting the time well, period. Yeah, yeah.
3: And I always think it's weird too. Like, why do we call it a W if it was really a, a double, double V.
2: v. All along, I've fun.
3: never understood that. Like, uh, a, no. those are V's. Why
2: well, can't just have That's its v. own name too? You know what I mean? Why it have to be a double other word yeah, letter? Why, yeah. why can't it have its own identity? Yeah, we just call it Dubs. You know,
1: yeah. <laughs> that'd be great. <laughs> that
2: um, would be. But so, we literally do that. Like, you've ever been to B Dubs? Like,
1: yeah, exactly. Suppose <laughs> <As> <laughs> you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah or yeah. U Dub. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What is that? A college? Yeah
3: university of washington
1: or i've never heard it called w is yeah. wisconsin yeah what yeah i i am out of the loop on my i thought my, you went
3: to college like uh, i thought you had rivalries and stuff and like
1: i go to a small private catholic college that, not, has, <laughs> that is not a rival with any dub at all do they not <laughs> so, call it the Rege? Oh, yeah, god I, I hope not <laughs> i don't call it that reage
3: well, That's because, because you're rage you're not, for yeah.
2: reage <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, Reach for jesus hey we got rowdy for the rams voice. <laughs> all right so the dub itch uh was written by robert eggers really no one laughed at that at all <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm laughing right now a moment
3: to
0: process
1: <laughs> this is a uh, written and directed by robert eggers came out in 2015 uh i think one thing that's so great about because he did the lighthouse as well i think what's cool is his movies seem to have these like really low budgets and so this was mm. $4 million was the budget, and it had a box yeah, office. That's one-third of Wish Upon, which we will talk about soon. Yeah, yeah, we have a, we have a podcast coming out yeah. about Wish Upon. How does that movie mm. cost more than this? <laughs> I have no yeah. idea. Yeah. Oh, it's God. really
3: weird contrasting, you know, this is the height of cinema. And then there's also these movies called Wish Upon, and <laughs> <laughs> there are just so well, that, many different ways have, of But they had like, every
2: building, like, made. Like for this movie, they
3: brought in a dude from New England because no one in Canada, where they ha- were shooting for tax credits, could actually build something. Period. accurate. Gross. Yeah,
2: Canada. They yeah, had to go way out there. Canada, yeah. I it's can't disgusting. remember. Was
3: it in Ont- Ontario? I'm pretty sure it was Ontario. was are all covered in maple syrup and sorry.
1: How many times are you gonna make that joke every time Canada? <laughs> I is fucking brought hate up? Canada. Dude. <laughs> Why would you hate Canada?
2: Huh? I don't, just don't like them.
1: Man. I mean,
3: so many movies are filmed in Canada for that reason. Interstellar.
1: Yeah, that was <laughs> filmed in Canada.
3: He grew 500 acres of corn in Canada? In Canada. I didn't know you could grow things in Canada. That's actually the point. Like, they they were growing in Canada because you couldn't grow. Like, they needed so much... So much food um, because all of their resources had
1: been depleted that they had to try and uh, farm unarable land. Well, I
2: mean, I guess you have that much money if
1: you're not paying for health care. That's a a theory on that movie that I don't agree with because it's never stated that they live in Canada. It's just filmed in Canada. Yeah, I thought they were living in Texas. Anyways,
3: (laughs) The Witch had a... It's just because Matthew McConaughey was Texas.
1: (laughs) So there's why. Uh, The Witch had a box office of 40 point four million so it easily that's ten times its bit. budget so yeah. that's good so it's it,
3: twice that of wish upon yep it did do better
1: than wish upon mm-hmm. uh, uh we're gonna compare these even though those have nothing to do with each other <laughs> <No>.
3: <laughs> tangentially related by the horror genre vish uh, yeah. upon <laughs> <laughs> <The,
0: the Vichypan. laughs>
1: uh but yeah like we said uh this is his first feature-length film and then he followed it up with lighthouse, like I said, in 2019, and we have a cool deep dive on that. It's like a four part series. It's great. That's a great it's one. Of my favorite ones, yeah. yeah.
2: We talk about mermaid vaginas.
3: Yeah. I mean, There's that. That's the highlight. I'd feel like I
1: talk way too much in that one. No, you talk I'll just us too critical
2: of ourselves on the podcast of us being critical of other people. God. Yeah. <laughs> <All right.
1: laughs> Self deprecate on your own time. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So how we usually start these is uh, we get our first impressions of these. So uh, Jane, what is your first impression of the witch?
2: Um, honestly, it's kind of boring. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's it's good looking. It's got good sound design. I think the acting is phenomenal in it. The dialogue is annoying and <laughs> it's, it's just like super strung out, dude.
3: Did you, so did, were you interested in seeing it though?
2: Um, yeah. After watching, because uh, I've seen other A24 movies like Hereditary and Midsummer before this. What about The Lighthouse too? And The Lighthouse, yeah, as well. I don't, that's not a horror movie. Um, oh, yeah. eh, no, it's not. I uh, mean, it's an A24 weird, yeah. Yeah, okay, well, The Green Knight wasn't a horror movie either, and that's somebody A24. Yeah. Okay, but, uh so yeah, I was, like, pretty stoked. I was, like, jazzed up about it. And that studio I was, like,
1: just tends to put out, like, some good
2: yeah, stuff. Yeah, and I was, like, pretty much disappointed. But I could also tell, like, in the beginning when there's, like, six production companies, I was like, oh, this isn't gonna be the same, I feel like.
3: See, yeah, I was very interested to see this because I had heard that, I would heard the name A24, and I had, um and mostly because of this film, I feel like this is the film that where a 24 got its reputation. Like, okay, we like making high minded cinema. That's still compelling as narratives and very engaging for the average viewer. So, but the thing is, is like horror is like an idea that's fascinating, but frequently disappointing. And, and fantasy sits just above sci-fi for me in terms of genre preference. So I had, oh yeah. Lord of the Rings over Star Wars all day. Yeah. So like I had, I'd had met expectations cause I was like, eh, it's horror, but it's fantasy type. So you know, maybe this could be good. And though fantasy's ideas are baser and generally not as high-minded, the settings being grounded in something that reflects physical earth creates authenticity around the mystery of magic, so-called, that really resonates with me. And authenticity here comes in spades, right down to the candles and the clabberds. Eggers, I mean, I, 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 feel, I feel like we say Eggers so much like so, Robert Eggers, you know Dude, i talked talk to
1: him. yeah i talk to him you, you can talk to yeah. bob Eggie. i just yeah. feel like we,
3: we talk about him so much that i kind of forget that like maybe someone hasn't listened to us before yeah. so Good robert eggers bob. uh <laughs> debuts with a strong damnation of genre constraints and creates a transformative piece that engrosses so thoroughly that every note of discord is deeply unsettling loved every minute of
1: it too short oh wow <laughs> absolutely that's funny so it's an hour and a half run time jaden's like way too long and yeah, you're like yeah. you're like nothing's too long it's yeah. too slow
3: is yeah. my thing right. see i just felt like there were so many so many shots that were like they were cut too soon and i watched the commentary with him there were a couple where he was like yeah i wanted this one to go on
2: longer but that would have been fine. short because he could have done like better shots that were longer and cut out some of the more
1: bullshit ones yeah possibly. i am interested if, if whatever kind of cool takes you have from that commentary i'd be interested to hear um uh, I I do love hearing like the commentaries with the directors and stuff. Yeah.
3: Uh, I was, I was actually kind of frustrated by it. I was hoping for a little bit more insight into the psychology behind everything, but it was really just talking about the shoot and, uh, the practical, uh, sets and everything and how right. they built everything and oh, tax credits yeah. and those sorts of things. But he pointed out like this is, and this, this right here, this is the worst shot in the film. I hate it so much. Oh, well if yeah. you
1: have, yeah, if you have a little, uh, stuff you can insert like that, I'd appreciate it. Uh, uh, cause I didn't, commentary I didn't, I didn't cool. hear the commentary. So I, I would, yeah. I'd be interested to hear that. Um, i i think i think i probably fall somewhere in between you two because i do think that this movie feels long at certain points and then i mm. think it and then i think there's other points where i think it's paced really well and, it, and and i like that it draws out some of its shots but then there's just other times i'm just like okay like i know what's going on we can we can move this one along uh another thing that calvin said is uh it feels 100 percent authentic which i think you get that out of anything robert eggers does like i guess there's like two things he's done like at least feature length lighthouse and this are they feel exactly like i'm i'm in that time yeah period. absolutely um, down to the dialogue the like you said the, the look of the structures um all the all the costumes everyone every detail seems to be like right on and i feel like i, I really appreciate him as a director because he really takes time to like hit all the details and I think it's even more impressive because he writes all these.
3: Yeah, and he digs through the the source material that he digs through. He goes back and finds journals. I think and, that's uh, what they
1: say at the end. It, there's like a little text that comes up, and it's like these are taken from journals of the time, and and so all the dialogue feels like it belongs in that time. And I know yeah. Jaden, like you said, you had a problem with it because it's just like it's just, just this annoying. Kind of, like, I understand
2: yeah. the reason behind it and like why it fits with the film. I understand that. Like it's a, it's a good directorial choice. I just as a fan fucking hate it yeah, yeah. no i you get don't that. You, yeah.
3: you don't like the gu- the
2: the sun going up to the dad and like may god give you good morrow that's probably not that bad but like just the rest of it like it's like thy children are whatever i don't care you say thy i'm over
3: it dude <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, all right
2: that's yeah.
3: that's the breaking point yes and like I even saw him on a couple panels where he had other historians and, and historians that were familiar with uh, the Salem Witch Trials, so not just New England, but uh, specifically the mythology surrounded by witches. And they, one that I saw was they were in Salem. It was one of the first showings of the uh, of the witch, and they were um, they were all like, yeah, like couldn't find a flaw. Everyone, awesome. yeah. yeah, everyone, like every every which movie, Salem movie, ever comes around, we always roll our eyes and think, "Oh, how's this one gonna?" And and they were like every single detail, like the the bread ovens and the the types of barrels they used. They were oh like, yeah,
2: everything. seems very authentic and very just pure. Yeah, yeah,
3: and yeah, that I I think that's fun. It's like there's only one
2: like, one issue I have with it, mm. and that's the part where uh, he's like hammering, but yeah. he's using the back of an axe. Why do you just built this whole fucking house? You don't have a hammer.
1: <laughs> well, it's kind of like for the time you would use it as like a multi-purpose tool. Really? It's like they had hammer. Rather than having a hammer and an axe, you could get by with just one. That's fair. I mean, these I are still pe- like these are hammer. people who have been cast out of their pilgrimage. Like, of course, he's you got to make do with what you have
2: because of Jesus stuff.
1: Yeah. I again, <laughs> just just going back to the dialogue. This is like a line that probably doesn't matter. Um, but it's when, uh, William, the dad, he's like trying to shoot at the rabbit William. and he, he tries to shoot and the, it doesn't like work it like it, the gunpowder doesn't go off. And he says, Oh, fie upon it. <laughs> and I love that line. Like yeah, that's cause just he's saying, Oh fuck. Yeah, <laughs> <it's> actually, <laughs> yeah. And it just, that to me is a part of like just this amazing amount of research that went into the yeah. movie to make the dialogue feel authentic. I just love that. It's, it's, oh, fie upon it. Yeah. Like it's so good.
3: Oh, so good. Yeah.
1: So, do we want to move on to uh, kind of some of the cinematography, maybe some of the like the look? Like, what did we like about the scenes that we saw, or or disliked? Or disliked we, it it could yeah. be either. Or, um, what,
2: or what were we lukewarm about? I actually really like the way the movie looks. I think it is fitting, along with everything else, as far as like the the the, the props and stage and like whatever, all that stuff. Just so seems very authentic. I think the way it looks feels the exact same way. It's got this great overtone to almost all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the stuff is like where the witch is in her like cabin or whatever, it's kind of hard to see. It's a little annoying, but at the same time it fits cause she's not going to have a well lit cabin in the middle of the fucking woods. Like, yeah, that's yeah. actually
3: one of my favorite things. And like, and he mentioned it in the commentary, but it was something that I noticed. Like if you're being period accurate, then very likely that you're not using as many candles as they were, but you need enough light in order to expose so your image. yeah you
2: have to be able to film something yeah so this was all done Even digitally if it's baby goo
3: yeah yeah exactly so this was just not
2: like- semen in case, in case for that.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh that's a good one okay um but yeah so the, this one uh rather than like in the lighthouse that was shot on film this was actually shot digitally um but you still need a certain amount of light in order for the image to be rendered. So there there were multiple scenes with uh with they tried to stay as close to natural lighting as possible. So there are even scenes where uh Thomason has a lantern and there's three candles in it and they're like, Yeah, that's obviously not period accurate, but we just couldn't. Like get you have light. like you
2: can only do so much, dude. Like, hey hey Bob, you did a great job, bud. Yep. Yeah, yeah, exactly,
3: and so that's the thing. Is like, is like, there's there's a pragmatic quality to a lot of art, and especially in film, like how we get by in order to tell stories. So I do, I do love how accurate they tried to be. I do think some scenes do suffer because they don't have enough light, like the scenes with the witch. There's like because they said they created the whole hovel, and it is it is decorated immaculately. Yeah, it's all, so spooky. All two scenes with the witch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They they spent a lot of time on that, and the same sort of thing with uh, the devil at the end that you can't see him it's actually and he said that so the costume for the devil is the most expensive piece of uh costume in the whole film like and you you
1: can't see it (laughs) uh i look at this and i think it it really takes its time to set up some some really creepy shots there's uh there's parts where like the the sun is like kind of going through these like brambles in the woods and that scene Mm. takes forever it's a bramble (laughs) Like a like a uh, I want to say a briar patch, but do you, I don't even know if you know. It. It's just I a don't. bunch. Of, it's a it's like just a, a clumping of branches. Okay. It's like climbing through all of them, and it's like a really long shot. And he's like, mm. it, it it makes me feel anxious as he's going through it. Mm. Uh, and that's one of the takes I think that is like it's it's longer, and I think it works. Then there, there's other ones I think are long that they don't fit as well. Uh, but then you get great shots like when they they have dinner together, and there's all the there's just the candles on the table mm. and. I think that one's framed really well. I actually thought a lot about the aspect ratio of this while watching it, which I usually don't. It's a a 1.66 to 1 aspect Mm. ratio. And Lighthouse is that like 1.19 to 1, which is another weird aspect ratio.
3: Yeah, it's almost square. Yeah, whereas here, like, you have a a fairly typical widescreen format.
1: And I almost think that this kind of suffers for that. And I'm not saying Mm. that he needs to make the same movie over and over again. So I just thought that maybe this would have lent itself to kind of, you know, the claustrophobic feeling you get from, you know, all the scenes with Wake and Winslow in Lighthouse Mm -hmm. and kind of uh, like you're trapped here. That intimacy. Yeah, I feel like in the same way, like they're kind of trapped in this like little farm they built because they've been cast out from there their pilgrimage and stuff like and that. they can't so, go like into
2: the forest. It's almost like a fence around. Yeah. yeah.
1: so yeah. I, I thought, while the aspect ratio isn't like insanely different, I thought this kind of lent itself to being smaller the same way Lighthouse did. And again, I, I, I don't think you need to make the same film over and over again, or, or Robert Eggers can only use his 1.19 to one aspect ratio. I just thought watching this, I was like, man, this would have kind of been cool if it was cut down a bit because it is wider. Yeah.
3: Um, it's interesting that you say that. So Guillermo del Toro uh has actually said something similar. He he has sa- said that uh a filmmaker only makes one film their entire life. Um he's like I've only made one film uh my entire life. It's just Alfred Hitchcock has only made one film in my entire life and it's because we bring the same I say we um, but it's you're, because you're a filmmaker. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a filmmaker. You can toot your horn. I'm a content creator, so I'm out here making things. But we bring ourselves to our work. You know, we put ourselves into every film, and they're personal, regardless of uh, whether they're a box office hit like Hellboy or where if there's something meant to be a little bit more uh, intimate and uh, personal like uh, Penn's Labyrinth. Um, because those are both Guillermo del Toro films. Yeah. Um, we've discussed this before. Yeah. We, we, so for those that haven't, um, and, uh, I think the same thing like, like, like here, like you saying, like, I, I don't want to make the same film every time. Like the thing is we, we do return to, uh, settings to ideas and to shot selections that we find comfortable with that we feel like get across our our opinions and our ideas in the most coherent way so i i think i think it's interesting that you note that this is such a wide aspect ratio and it actually suffers in it uh from it when we compare it to how well it worked in
2: the lighthouse well he might have just learned you know yeah. Yeah. And Possible. I think
1: I think another thing that went into Lighthouse that didn't really go into this is is not only did he want the look to be authentic he wanted the cameras and everything that went into the filming of Lighthouse to be authentic. Yeah. There there weren't cameras in the nope. st- in this time period for the witch so it's like you know you, that's I think part of why it was shot digitally because yeah. I like, wish they would have just cares? drawn
3: everything. Yeah, they should have. Yeah, exactly. Everything, <laughs> everything's just everything's just hands it and dirt. Like it should have just been like
1: it should have just been like written word on the screen, just <laughs> describing every scene because that's how that's how media was back then. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but after talking about the lighthouse and now reviewing the witch, I'm excited to see uh, what Robert Eggers has coming out. It's, it's a movie called The Northman. It's supposed to oh, come out in 2022. 20, but yeah.
3: yeah, it's got everybody: Anya Taylor uh, Joy. It's got. Um, Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm missing. It's, it, it's got everybody from uh, The Witch and then Willem Dafoe and then like uh, uh, Thomas uh, Skarsgård. I think it's it's one of the Skarsgords.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, there's like three of them. The dad and the two sons.
3: Yeah, yeah exactly. It's the dad. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's the it's the elder Skarsgord. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's got... I'm excited about that cast.
1: One thing I just kind of am a little bummed out about this movie. I think it waits to the last like 20 minutes, I think, to give you its best shots. And I I just Mm. I I kind of wish it was it paced out its cool looking stuff a little sooner. One of my favorite shots is right when they're leaving the town and the gate shut. So if we want to talk about that one, because I think it's a good way to introduce the score of this film. That scene especially I I really love because they're on the back of the cart and they're singing like a hymn. Mm -hmm. But then you have this it's it's in the background and it kind of builds up is this like chorus of uh, it's like a like a female choir. Mm -hmm. singing this like just really ominous tones over a, a like a, a biblical hymn and i i love kind of that just juxtaposeness like this is supposed to be like a holy righteous family cast out for being almost like christian zealots like they believe too hard you know that that, <laughs> that not even other puritans can handle them and then they they leave and overlaid over them leaving is just this these really ominous sounds and so i think that's a good way to introduce the score to this yeah
3: yeah and i do love that shot too because if you'll notice the only one looking back is thomason yeah, which I think sets up a lot of the division in the family later in the film, because she didn't want to leave. Basically, is what it's suggesting. She's also the last one to leave the courthouse or the the town meeting hall, and she has to be backed by Caleb. Also the last one.
0: Yeah. Oh, that, yeah, that could be so, yeah. that
3: could be a, another another layer to it. But I think it's it says a little bit more about like where where her heart's at, not necessarily in the the extreme piety that William has for his family.
1: So, Jaden, you usually like. Um like kind of minimalist scores. Mm. I, I, I would I would kind of put this in that category as well. It's close. I actually really I do really, really enjoy the score in this one. Mm. I think what's interesting about this one is they will go long periods with like no score at all. Yep. And, and then all of a sudden it's just like, it's right big there. Big fan,
2: dude. Because they only put the score in where it's needed. And I think it's really necessary in this movie because I don't, like I think a lot of it is supposed to be quiet yeah, and, I understand. Th- I honestly... And, and like, I, as much as I don't like the boringness of the movie, I think that it's supposed to be that way too because it's supposed to make you almost feel like you're in this time period. Mm-hmm. What the fuck are they supposed to do, dude? Right. They don't have like, newspapers to read or iPhones to play Flappy Bird on. They got nothing, <laughs> dude. Yeah, you just get so bored though in this movie. You just chop fucking wood. Yeah. You just chop so much fucking wood.
1: I actually, I actually originally thought this was a documentary teaching... Uh, early 1600 settlers how to chop wood. Oh, how to wear <laughs> a, a sheet around your waist and chop wood. It is. There's is so much of it. Yeah. yeah. Very, very. Well, very. I mean, and
2: I have points about to make about that later as well. But yeah. yeah.
3: But I do love. So one thing that I learned in school, especially, is the the less music, the less you rely on music, the better. The more you can concentrate on just your image telling your story. And I think absolutely, you could take out the music and the score here, even though it's great. And you would have the same feeling I
2: probably wouldn't have even noticed, buddy.
3: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Because it is just that it holds up, the images themselves hold up in such a way that everything feels very dramatic and very real. And you would still come away with this very this very uh sense of unease. You know, this this uh, this thing this feeling that things aren't right without having to be. Yeah, kind it's of like the atmosphere
1: cold. is built in by what you're looking at, not by everything going on around it. Exactly. Which is so odd because I agree with you. But then I am conflicted because one of my favorite movies is Interstellar, we talked about. And that movie, after we discussed it, that movie is in a way kind of carried by its score. And I think it's all the better for it. Like, I think it totally works.
2: Different movies do different things, dude. Situations are situational. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I just think it's interesting to contrast those two things because one of them is like the score is a part of the scene. And this movie, I, I agree with what you said, Calvin. You could probably remove the score and I I'll probably still feel just as anxious going yep, through it. They were just
2: mm-hmm. putting some sugar on their ice cream boys. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're so right. <laughs> so right.
1: But yeah, I think that the music
2: is
3: more nece- it's necessary in Interstellar because like like we were saying, like everything on Earth, all of the, the any time that Jessica Chastain is on the screen, we need some music to be to care. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I mean that's a personal opinion, but it's also backed by a degree. So there's like you know,
1: no, and again, after we had that conversation, I was like, you know, he's probably right. It doesn't make me like the movie any less, but yeah. but it does make me think about how films use scores, and and that movie <coughs> that movie uses the score. This yeah. movie does not smothers it. Yeah, yeah I, I still think it's really good. slathers it. Then okay, that's better, I guess. <laughs> Places the same. Slathers thing. it. Slathers yeah. it uh, like an unction.
3: Yeah, exactly. It's, it's a little too much sugar on my ice cream, actually. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, so if we want to move on from the score, do we want to get into some of the characters? Oh yes, yeah, let's that's, talk that's, about this. I mean, these are the best parts of the movie. So absolutely, yeah. uh, we can start with On uh, Your Taylor Joy. She's uh, a
2: fucking fantastic actress, dude.
1: Yeah, she plays Thomason, who you know is the lead of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I I think that it's kind of cool. This is like her first big thing. She's like uncredited in like two small bits. She played. This was those. before Split yeah okay oh yeah yeah uh, was no this is 16
2: was, or when, when did this it come out 15
1: right was this it, came out in 15 yeah. Yeah. yeah but but again it's like a robert riggers i i watched an interview where he was talking about casting and he was like well you know i i looked at her and i was Split like 16 Yep. Yeah. Mm. and he was like uh i looked at i looked at her and i just knew that she was not going to be a good puritan so i had to cast her mm. and then another aspect that goes into that is uh obviously the dialogue is like it's not natural to the way we speak English now so uh, Robert Hager said he's like they're, they're like did you have any trouble casting people you know did they grasp the dialogue he's like I just didn't cast them if they didn't get it He was like I only it, it, <laughs> if you didn't have like a natural kind of affinity to pick it up I just didn't cast you
2: which makes sense yeah yeah he was trying to like, fucking make a movie here yeah he's yeah. like
1: I, I wasn't gonna waste time you know trying to do that and which kind of fits because didn't this only have like a like a 28 day uh filming
2: uh,
3: probably no some, probably something like that It's, I can't it's pretty
1: similar to Lighthouse It's like under yeah. 30 days it, yeah. It's really quick And so yeah You don't have time to be like Let me bring a voice coach on Or uh, you know mm-hmm. Someone to help these people out With their lines So it, it, he was just like Yeah she just picked it up right away Otherwise mm-hmm. I wouldn't have cast her so, so the kids The yeah. little kids dude oh, she just,
3: Yeah Well that's also why They did their casting in the UK So they could at least start With the base of someone Who understood that uh, that dialect Yeah yeah, yeah but as, she's as like someone like who just came over on the boat.
1: Yeah, but after this uh Anya Taylor-Joy went on to be in like you said stuff like Split, Glass, Peaky Blinders and then she was the lead of her own show on Netflix that uh, Queen's Gambit. Yeah, that's mid series that? or whatever. Yeah. I have not. It was good. Yeah. I really liked it.
2: And she like I said she's amazing. Like everything I've seen her in is wonderful, so.
3: I was too busy watching guitar videos when that came out.
1: <laughs> no, no, Queen's Gambit's really good. Everyone should check yeah, that out. I don't where. give a shit. Yeah.
3: And now she's going to be in The Northman, which I I, I think I think we looked it up it has like a 160 million dollar budget.
1: It's obscene. she's also going to be Young Furiosa in the Furiosa movie. That's good. I love that the new Mad Max stuff I think is awesome. Mm, can't wait. Um, anyways, do we want to talk about Ralph Inneson, the father? he plays William? Oh sure. yeah did you,
3: I didn't realize he was in on the office. I'm sorry, what? He was in the British. I know version. what you're talking about. Oh,
1: yeah okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, was yeah. Like, I was like, I am pretty confident. I've watched <laughs> that show through like nine or twelve times. That's why I said it. I don't yeah, nine I wa- or twelve. Okay. I wanted to see your. <laughs>
3: I wanted to see your reaction. And be like, how, how did I miss? How,
1: it? how could I have possibly done yeah. that? Uh, and then, no, like, you know said it, you know. and I remembered like those movies too. But Ralph Ineson is in this movie. The movie. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I made a note. I said, great voice, great actor. Enough said.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. His character is a fucking dipshit, but yeah.
1: Yeah, I I love him
3: because he he's like a well-meaning father, but plagued by his own self-righteousness, and he and he takes his family to live in the wilderness so they can focus on being true Christians. I'm gonna
2: conquer this. Yeah,
3: and he breaks the mold of being the typical domineering father figure and shows tenderness and patience with uh, just a splash of biblical wrath. So I yeah I I find him to be nuanced enough that he works in every way in every scene.
2: Yeah. He does enough dumb things to make the story continue. So yeah, exactly. This is kind of the point. Yeah, that's what characters do in movies.
1: <laughs> yeah, but it, you know how people do really dumb stuff in like your typical like Annabelle horror movie or Conjuring. Like you're like, don't go into that door or like, yeah. What are you doing? They do dumb stuff in the service of like moving this scary plot forward. He does dumb stuff that seems totally in character to me. Like I, it, it, it all makes like the way he's acting it fits like this kind of zealot that he is. Yeah.
2: I just don't know about all that, man. It's just so human. The rabbit scene, dude, just really bugs me, dude. (laughs) Really, really bugs me. I mean, I can still see like a real human. Bugs me. Bugs Bunny is a
1: rabbit. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What about um, uh, Kate Dickey who plays Catherine is the wife of William, the mother. Um,
2: The chick from Game of Thrones. Yes. Yeah. She's great at breastfeeding.
1: We talked about her in Green Knight. I think she's great in Green Knight. I think she's even better in this. Oh, she's a fantastic actress. I just hate her. I just... It is amazing. I love to hate her, though,
2: is the thing. It's like I want to see her in things.
1: She is so good at being a creepy, creepy person. Yeah. Yeah. And she's
2: just so good at breastfeeding.
3: (laughs) And what's sad is that Robert Eggers has actually mentioned that he... He didn't uh, care for her fi- her final portrayal. He wished that there had been more love and compassion between her and Thomason be- to to create more of the like. All they had was conflict, you know. Like you you had Kate, who was aw- at odds with Thomason the whole time because she she seemed to enjoy the small amount of power that she's gained as a wife, and she doesn't want to lose any of that to Thomason and her oh, yeah, sexual viril- yeah, yeah her sexual virility. Like also, she doesn't know how it. to
2: hold her breath as an actress. Just saying that. All right. <laughs>
3: So yeah, that's that's the one problem that Robert Eggers has with it. And I, I don't know if I necessarily agree with it as a problem because I didn't have the vision of the character and what the way he's created it I think works very well here because I don't know if it's necessarily the point to, like it needs the nuance. Like I, I think that's a good point that works with William. Um, did, do we need to create it with all of them? Maybe. Maybe it works better, but it's fine with me.
1: Yeah, I I I don't, I don't catch that at all. I think it's fine that she's just like they're at odds, kind of from the get go.
3: Yeah, kind of like split personality, like two women, like the were were uh, fighting for station in life, basically. Yeah, I don't I don't yeah, have. Yeah, any she's problem a big
1: with old that. bitch
2: throughout the whole movie. Fits <laughs> her so much. Yeah, but I I think yeah. she just does it really great. Oh, fantastic! I, I think she does a like, great job. I said she's like one of those characters. That like I want her in movies because she's somebody who plays such a good job of people I love to hate yeah thing like, like her portrayal in game of thrones like i fucking hate her in that show right but i want her in the scenes mm-hmm. now i have somebody to hate <coughs> that's
0: true. <clears throat>
2: mm-hmm. uh, same we, thing with this movie because i wouldn't have hated anyone else besides the other two little kids it
1: wasn't her oh my god uh do we want to talk about uh <sighs> i'd rather get to the caleb first okay let's talk sure. about yeah, caleb is yeah, um,
3: probably more important to the narrative
1: yeah. he's played by harvey scrimshaw a fucking
2: good job bud <sighs>
1: I actually I actually have two different kind of opinions on him because I think he does stuff that is not like especially good really? acting. I think his real knockout scene is when he's kind of going through that... Uh, exorcism Like an thing. exorcism, I guess, is how I would describe it. But before that, I think he kind of isn't... And again, he's a child actor, so I'm not going to be like too critical of what I'm saying. Uh, but I thought kind of there was a lot of stuff before that. I was like, ah, oh, he's not like selling me on who he is. Really? Um, and then, yeah, no, it's, yeah, that's what I think. I
2: thought that all the shots of him just, like, turning away from his – looking at sister's tits, like, real quick. Yeah, he's right. Like, that's yeah. always good, you know, like, hey, you're doing a good job, kid.
1: I think there were some yeah. times where he, he – again, he's a kid and this is, like, a, really, is a He did, I, a, I think, the best that a kid can do yeah. is my thing. It's my a memory. weird – hard authentic accent and dialogue to deliver yeah. so I'm fine with him like I think there are part I guess that's my problem is, is I think some of his delivery just like didn't wasn't quite right But and then, they feel as natural as some of the other characters yeah. for sure I think that's part of the problem is I think maybe everyone else just did it a little better and so he yeah. stood out a little but then you get to that exorcism scene and I was like oh my god Yeah he kills it man like I, I don't I- know there are not adults who can act that well like no. like award-winning adults who uh, wouldn't even come close. That scene is amazing.
2: Yeah, it's crazy yeah. good. I mean, like and I typically like freaking hate kids in movies cuz I think they ruin them.
1: <laughs> but yeah, uh I think I think this film, all of its child actors, like do a good job. Yeah, I said as far I, I, as child acting goes, I yeah. said I knock him a little bit. Like I said, I knock him a little bit. Yeah, I think he's still great. This this kid is awesome. Yeah, he, I think
2: he does a good job here. Yeah. I think he'll have a good career ahead of him. And he hasn't uh, we'll, really done
3: anything actually since. That's yeah, crazy no, because like
2: I him. would be like, let's get that kid in this fucking movie whenever we're filming. Yeah, yeah. You, you know what I love too.
3: Yeah, and you know what I love too about his name, Harvey Scrimshaw. I kind of hope that you remember the line in the the lighthouse where Robert Pattinson's going crazy, like I broke it, I broke your Scrimshaw trinket. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, and I kind of, I was like, I looked it up because I was like, I wonder if Robert Eggers just thought Scrimshaw. That's a great word. Yeah. Right. And I'm gonna, but it's actually he used it correctly, um, in that film. But I kind of think like, huh, maybe. I, he saw a scrimshaw and like maybe I'll put that in a film because I what, just
2: I, doubt that you, I just doubt that Bob's not going to do anything correctly, you
1: know? <laughs> <So>. Right, <laughs> dude. I, he's going to listen be like, "Fuck these guys." Hey, yeah. okay, <laughs> dude, Bobby Eggers. Yeah, <laughs> you, you got that, Bob. Right? I hate that. <laughs> can you do it?
3: Yes, you can, Bob. But so I, I love uh, I love Caleb because like he's he's full of conflict, you know? Questions of the idea of salvation, uh, you know, filled with shameful lust for he's his a smart sister. Kid. Yeah, he's probably the most moral character as well. You know,
1: mm-hmm. he has a great, great uh, bit of dialogue. He's he's out in the woods with his dad. They're they're gonna go and try and set traps and hunt and stuff like that. And he's it, it asked about his um, asked about prayers or something like that. And he says, uh, "His birth sin from Adam is corrupt nature dwelling within him, empty of grace, bent unto sin, only unto sin, and to it continually." And I think that kind of speaks to like that character. He, like you said, he has a lot of conflict in him, and so he's like suffering with this, this nature inside of him that is sinful. And it's just a, it, you know, it, it could have been just some dialogue that you just think fits in the period, but I think it actually matters to the character. I think it matters to his character, yeah, because yeah. he is like what you said. He's the most morally profound character, I think.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
1: and then to to have dialogue dealing with him grappling with his nature I yeah th- even you talked about him like you know stealing looks at his sister and th- i mean who
2: else you can steal looks at dude yeah right there's no one else there i mean you're yeah. a maturing young boy things are gonna
1: happen dude but yeah but that's that's that corrupt nature yeah he's trying
2: about. his best yeah. not to like yeah. sometimes yeah. he's
1: he's doing he's doing his due diligence so i will say that i i while i do have like small criticisms of him i think he's great yeah oh yeah i think, I think him, him and uh, uh um I want to talk about the twins now, because I think as far as the child acting, uh, Lucas Dawson plays Jonas, who I think is is almost nothing in this movie.
2: Yeah, he's basically nothing. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But Ellie Granger plays Mercy, who I think is next to Caleb and Thomason is is I I almost say is like maybe the most important character in the whole film. Oh, I hate her. Mercy is <laughs> a, a bonkers in this. Like I. I've never like hated a child so much. Yeah. Like, no, I'm like, oh my her. God. It's like she's so manipulative and, mm-hmm. and, and, and she just kind of single handedly seems to turn the whole family against Thomason. And we will get to that. I don't know if we mentioned this. This is a two parter. So this is kind of covering kind of the, the bare bones. Just yeah, well, we're just doing the preview. first V right now. Yeah. The mm-hmm. second V will come in uh, episode two. Yes. So we'll dive more into like what we think of these characters and how the role they play. I just think it's good to kind of drop that note that I think she's incredibly important to this story.
0: Yeah. yeah, I kind
1: of is.
3: think of them like like she she has a lot more dialogue, but I think she's really more of a device. She's an archetype. Um, But both of them they they, they feel like imps, you know? They feel like devils' helpers to me.
2: Like, yeah, like oompa loompas.
3: Yeah, exactly. It's like the question of like,
2: yeah, I mean, <laughs> like for clothes, real, that's what they feel like. Uh, the whole time yeah. like these little oompa loompas are bastards. Yeah,
3: like did they conjure Black Philip
2: or is like right? Why yeah. are they so much fatter than everyone else in the movie? I think stop it's, eating it's, all the food.
1: I, I <laughs> look at that. It's their clothing because they do. It's something about their clothing. I th- I th- it's
2: it's uh. Uh, it's because they they try to make them look fatter. Yeah, it's because that's their yeah. sin, is like gluttony or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's an interesting take. Hmm. I read an article where they called them obese children. And I was like, <laughs> oh, okay, come on, like, they only have double chins. Like, let's yeah. get over ourselves here.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, do we have anything to say about uh Jonas, the uh, Lucas Dawson's character? I was just telling you, Lucas a dope name, and he did a great job, kid. Sorry, Lucas. Sorry, I said Luca. And take the S off. It's better. <laughs> Calvin, uh, do, you, do you have anything else to say about uh, Mercy that isn't going to kind of like divulge too much of what we want to go in the next episode? Ooh,
3: yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, right now, like it's just like focusing on just their affects of, as characters. I think they did, again, another exceptional job of child acting.
1: Yeah, speaking piece sets. And that's got to be, <laughs> again, that's got to be so hard to be like, take these kids and be like, here's this weird dialogue. I know you're, you know, what, what they must be like four or five.
2: I have no fucking idea how cool old those kids could be twelve. I have like, no. That makes okay. Sense. Like I have
1: the, no idea how to tell old, how old children. Me either. I hit so like sixteen.
2: I'm like, okay, that kid's like older than twelve now. I think.
1: I have nieces and nephews, and I. Yeah. Uh, I could say
2: I know how old my niece is, just because like I go to her birthday party. But if I look I'm at like, another kid, I have no, no idea, idea how old you are.
1: Yeah. See,
3: I think She'll be like they playing look, at the
2: playground. I'm like, is she beating up an eight-year-old or a
1: two-year-old right now? The, no clue. So bad at that.
3: To me, they look like they're six or seven. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. I feel like. I don't know why. It's just like a
1: just a gut feeling. Yeah, we should have looked just that up. Overly, we did this. You, can't, you can't,
3: you can't. They don't have, uh, they don't have IMDb or Wikipedia pages. All right. Yeah. So I already probably checked. because they're children. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of the point. They want to protect privacy.
1: So Robert Eggers grew up in the New England area, and it's uh, some interviews I read from him and and saw panels he had done. He's like fascinated, kind of like by the history surrounding that area. He had done research on witches, and he he really kind of went out of his way to kind of uh, flesh out and 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 understand that Puritan culture and how to fit it into this film.
3: Yeah, and I think what's so interesting to so we talked a lot about how this is a family drama, really. You know, so far about these characters and their their tension. Um, are you giving me a look? Because we they, it's
2: a, there's very good drama parts. I, I don't know. If this whole movie is a family drama. Yeah,
3: Go ahead, yeah. I mean, so that so there are realistic elements there of like people living, but I love there there's this film really work works in three ways we'll get to the third uh way in the in our part two but the other way this works is There, there is uh, social critiques about what it means to be such and such a gender role as a Puritan, and everything goes through Thomason. You know, all of the characters project themselves and their negative affects onto her. So William, with his pride and hypocrisy, inadequacy; Kate, with her lust for power; Caleb, with his sexual lust, and I see the the twins
2: as being like an embodiment of fear or gluttony. Which is crazy because yeah, I think that all characters like represent at least a portion of the seven deadly sins. Oh, that's a good. Um, I don't know.
3: I don't looking at this. I don't know how I didn't put that together.
2: Um, but yeah, like uh, like obviously like Caleb is lustful towards his own sister, which right. is incorrect. Um,
1: gluttony. <laughs> that's, a, that's a nice way to put it. I yeah, guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's um, a no <laughs> no. In, that's incorrect, Caleb. <laughs> gluttony
2: and sloth, maybe even greed, are definitely represented by the twins. Um, mm. Who seem a little bit even fatter than the rest of the family. And like they're lying too. And they don't do much. They lie. They literally say that their sister is a witch. And she's like, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, and obviously, the prideful, the prideness of, of the father and then the envy and wrath of the mother. Yeah. Like that's all represented and literally forced onto Thomason as a character. Oh, you know, I
3: like, I like the way you've summed that up better i think those 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 work better than the way that i have them like kate's power it really does work better as as envy yeah because she's
2: she's very envious of her daughter's like why is she getting this attention she's attractive now i'm not like all
1: this stuff and
2: your sluttish looks what bewitched caleb
3: yeah Yeah, William was
2: next
1: no i think that's a
2: terrible mom (laughs) i'll tell you
1: which i uh, again i think that kind of ties back into what Calvin said earlier is he uh, Robert Eggers was like I kind of wish there was more compassion in that relationship at first and then it changed I actually I like that it's just straight up like animosity yeah the get right me. away yeah
3: yeah and I love thinking too like a big part of like why she's projecting so much onto onto Thomason is you know the first thing was losing Sam because of her you know she was you know to believe a, that fucking scene dude. yeah like to believe like a, a a crazy story is like i was literally staring at him playing peekaboo and uh he disappeared like that's that's unrealistic I mean, by but you see the witch's foot you know what I mean? yeah you also see did you notice that they some of the bushes and things shook
1: yeah they, yeah they said that's us, what i'm saying yeah, yeah she slept.
2: was so sneaky getting there but getting away she like didn't give a fuck yeah it was crazy because you just could have stood there because you're invisible but whatever
1: yeah exactly I, I also like that they blame it on a wolf they're like oh a wolf girl. yeah because they Because they're Puritans. They don't believe in pagans. No, they do. Well, Absolutely,
3: I mean, they they believed all of that stuff was very real. They don't they don't they believe that there were. Um, the I guess witches I guess made, I'm
1: saying that wrong. I guess I mean like their first conclusion wouldn't be a witch. It would be like let's try to. Well, Thompson said
3: that, that she saw the wolf. Well, what's interesting actually right. too. Yeah, and what's itch- interesting actually too was Robert Eggers was saying like you know the the academia the intelligentsia of the time did think that witches were real. They thought they were a natural part of the world. So it yeah. would have been a very a fairly.
2: Uh, early uh, assumption by these people. I guess I... Yeah, I think that's why she said it was a wolf because she didn't want them thinking that she was maybe a witch.
1: I think yeah. I, I said that wrong. I guess it's just like they would try to figure out some other explanation betwa- besides a witch first is more what I meant. Well, yeah, because
2: it's like the worst possible outcome.
1: So there, yeah. there there's an interview with Robert Eggers I saw which lends to Calvin's point, which kind of makes me have egg on my face because I was wrong. You yeah, have eggers um, on your face?
2: Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> <laughs> damn, beat me right to it, man. Like, toss- I've been thinking this whole time about making a little egg and giving a little name tag that says Bob. Yeah, you just tossed a softball up to us. <laughs> I'm so sorry.
1: Um, there, there's an interview where he talks about, um, they, it, like you said, it, it, this is a thing that they actually believe. Like Women with like a strong personality and who are outspoken... It wasn't like this is a mystical, magical thing. They were like, this, they are just like literally a witch. It wasn't like a, it wasn't a way to like keep women down or like uh, uh, have the, the patriarchy oppress women. Uh, in, in, there were situations where it was like literally they just believed that this person was a witch. There, there's even, I think in, uh, in that interview, Egger says that there's journals he read where they're written by women who were outspoken. They're like, wow, something must be wrong with me. I must like they believe themselves that they They were were a witch like i can do math they
2: they were like jesus i must be i know
0: right
3: (laughs) yeah but i actually think that that is um part of the problem like they they believed so much in these gender roles and these ideas of how women need to behave that it did become that you helped fuel the witch archetype as someone who is non-conforming to the idea of a woman as a subservient to man so I think that they did, like, they, they it entered into the collective unconscious that witches, yes, like, do these types of things. And, like, if they are outspoken, then they are a witch because you're not conforming. And so it is a way of keeping them down because it's not the uh, accepted set of beliefs in I'm just between saying, tentacle society.
1: What I mean is, like, it's not like a council got together and they were like... In there, like this pilgrimage, and they're like, "Hey, this woman is talking too much. Let's say she's a witch." That way, we can okay, work. yeah, yeah. yeah I see what what saying, I'm yeah. saying is, they like, legit believed is, they were witches. There, there were situations yeah. they were like, "Oh my god, like we have a serious witch problem on earth." Yeah, it's like this person is literally a witch. They there were times where it was not used as a tool to keep women down. Sometimes it was just a literal. They literally believed that that was a. Uh, uh, something that could affect their society. I still
2: think it's a tool to keep them down, but I don't think they realized that it was a tool, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I, I yeah. guess
1: I guess the ends are the same. Yeah, absolutely. Like you yeah. like what
2: you're saying is right. Yeah. I understand what you're coming But I think
1: from. The, the route they got there wasn't the same all the yeah, time. No, yeah, no, absolutely yeah. not. It wasn't it's like the, it wasn't like men in leadership were like if Let's all you give
2: someone home. is a hammer, all they're gonna do is smash things.
3: Yeah. yeah. It's the idea of indoctrination here. Yeah. Like we're we're still getting to the same point, but the motivations might be different.
1: Yeah. 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 That's what um, I mean.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Do you think that maybe Thompson was fearful that she might be a witch after that scene? And that's why she lied about it being a wolf? Yeah.
3: You know, honestly, it's Thomas. Because she's like
2: obviously the most intelligent character
3: in the movie. She's also the only one that asks for forgiveness of any of her sins. Yeah. It's interesting, like how the change of her character, because she's the only one that admits to. Well, she's not the only one that admits to her sin, but she asks for forgiveness. She lists all of her sins. So because of the ending, it's hard, you know, to see her as a victim. But at the same time, she never does anything wrong, you know? So, like, why does she become a witch if not embodying the qualities that everyone was was projecting onto her? Like, that was her sin. It's right? a,
2: everyone else is just fearful of her, mm-hmm. especially her
1: mother. And I think that that's what caused the whole
2: issue to begin with. Yes.
1: I don't want to get into my theory on that now. I want to save it for episode two. But yeah. I do think that that definitely plays a role because... Like, I don't think that she thought she was a witch. I think later on there's some, some stuff that happens and it kind of sways the way she feels. Yeah. Uh, and that's what I think is there is some really interesting storytelling in this. Uh, it's, there's some subtle stuff that goes on throughout, which I get why, like Jaden you said you thought this was like kind of boring and slow. And I think I, think I can uh, tend to agree with that in some ways. But I think it all builds to like this really good ending. It just does. That all makes sense. Yeah. I just kind of I I I can I can sympathize with like kind of your plight that it could have maybe got there sooner. But then I can also kind of sympathize with Calvin where it's like eh, there's like some good stuff going. Oh, on Oh, absolutely. Here. And I, I, I don't. I wouldn't I, mind to see more. I of it, do not
2: so. think this is a bad movie by any means. Just my like nature of going in here like think of a 24 movies i was just like oh it's a little disappointing yeah no but I other than that, that like it, there's still very great things about this movie
3: yeah and one other thing i did want to mention about we, the idea that the the system of religion was what was repressing women i i find the scene where thomason is confronting william um about uh you know the truth she was she's telling all of this truth about like uh he can't he can only chop wood he can't hunt he can't grow crops yeah
2: we're gonna hunt.
3: yeah but what, what his reply is so interesting he's like i won't allow the devil to wag his tongue in your mouth because truth from a woman is the same thing as devil speech because it doesn't conform to the role of a woman yeah. right. Which, like, just, just shut the so, fuck up and listen yeah, so, yeah. i so thought that, that was so yeah. interesting
1: that to me kind of lends to what i was i was talking about earlier about Robert Eggers saying that it's, it's, I don't think that William is trying to be like, let me shut her down because she's a woman. I think that he literally just thinks that she's a witch. Like, that's just literally what he believes. I don't
3: think so, there. What I'm, what
1: I'm saying is, huh. that I think that, that women acting in
3: ways that are not, that are not, uh, um, timid and, um, you know, hold, if a woman would hold her tongue, but the devil is what
2: inspires... You guys are saying the same thing. Yeah. It's just, um, just the route to get there. Yeah, this is exactly it's like. So he's not doing it intentionally because she's a woman. He's doing it because that's the way that he was taught that things are. So he is actually fearful of her being a witch. Yeah, that's or be possessed think, yeah. by the devil. Yeah, yeah. because that's he's not doing not it because like, way. hey, women need to shut the fuck up because I'm a man. No, no, he's I am he
3: saying that he is doing that though. That's okay. the whole point. No. The thing is, is I like, disagree gonna, with that. Though. Well, then but we, that's the thing is like, when women don't act according to their gender roles, then that's when they do become a witch. Exactly. It's not that, it's that's not what not he's that been she taught his whole life. Yeah, but he's. It's not that he's worried that she is a witch. It's that she is sinning by not conforming to the role of what a woman
1: is. Yeah, no, I think we both. I think we both understand that. I just uh, I think the the fundamental route on how they achieve that we disagree on, which is fine. That's why we have these discussions. Because I wonder. It would but be, Connor's right. Uh, <laughs> 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 no, and that's that's a good thing. Uh, if if people can leave in the comments, that that's a great thing. Like, yeah. Uh, well,
2: because I don't think that William is a bad man. And oh no, my, yeah, I don't either. that's my thing is like I don't think that like he would like intentionally just like downgrade his daughter like that. I well, think he cares for Thomas and I think that he sees her intelligence and things like that in her. I like think it's, he's just in So he's very reluctant to like, I'm just gonna sell her away to another family, but he finally does just to shut his fucking wife up which is crazy it's like okay i guess the only thing i can do is sell my daughter to keep you from stop nagging me Like yeah. what a terrible marriage
3: but yeah that's the thing is, is i think that he is like he does care about her but he's so indoctrinated in the religion it's what it's what sent him to the yeah, way, yeah, woods yeah the of first course place. yeah so that's why i'd say it that way i say it's not because he's doing it out of spite or, or because or, or malice it's that he he thinks that women acting in, in a certain way would lead them down to the path to sin to yep. ultimately becoming a witch yeah you guys are literally saying the same thing. Right? Yeah, right. Yeah.
1: Okay. Um, so do we have more to say about Puritans and witches? Um, they suck. We're not a party, boys. Do we have? Do we have? Uh, maybe about like the witch archetype itself?
3: No, not not yet. But one thing I do think is really interesting is the idea of fear. Like a big part of Protestantism was how evil was physical and. Omnipresent, And so these beliefs were carried over into America where preachers taught that settlements were surrounded by demons. And it was the job of good Christians to remain righteous in the face of evil. And obviously, that's terrifying. Like that's, that's, that's a part of like why we have all of these shots of the wilderness is because it was something that they felt was against them. Like, not just because it was an element of hardship. Because they're death. surrounded by demons. Exactly. They don't have
2: the rest of the town to
1: help them be pure. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, okay, I like that. I never... Yeah, demon fence... That didn't... Made of trees. That didn't occur to me. I like the... What else do you got, Calvin? Yeah. Do we want to go over some of the... Just kind of some scenes real quick that we like? Yeah, I would love to. I mean, again, staging here. Robert... How the fuck
2: do they grow so much corn so fast?
3: They... uh they so they bought it. That they looks bought like, it and that then looks let like it
1: already rot. yeah that looks like already dead corn. My assumption is it's just yeah corn. They, they went brought. onto the land and
3: the corn was like already growing. No, they went and bought some and took it up there and they let it rot for a couple months.
1: Yeah, that's that's a way. Okay, it
2: I'm way. talking about like in the movie. Yeah, not like outside of the movie. Not like how they got the corn there. Like I think they Actually, were there like for the characters. A few oh, how did they plant the? Corn? That's what I'm fucking saying. Yeah, what were they eating before that? Because clearly the dude can't hunt or gather what the fuck were they doing for food
1: well, they have a big point. cart i guess i don't know
2: maybe they had another child at some point
3: the
1: horse ran away
2: right i think i might have missed that part
1: no the horse runs away okay because it would have been better if they ate the on. horse
2: that's all i'm saying no they don't eat the horse that's anymore.
1: that's no, thing. that's a good point. Sorry, you said that, and we no, were, I understand. We yeah, we've talked it.
2: so much about corn off scenes with Interstellar that it makes sense that we guys thought about. This is way. this is almost a corn podcast
0: now. Yeah, yeah
3: exactly. We're it's so not
2: corny though, boys. Keep
3: yeah. listening. <laughs> it's so, we're
1: so up to date on our corn lore. <laughs> Poor. that, that <laughs> sentence has never been uttered before up to date on our
2: corn lore hey, i have two roommates that are from iowa i know quite a bit about corn yeah okay. now whenever we watch a, yeah now whenever
3: we watch a movie like the, the corn realism is just not off. Uh, it's my
2: Pocahontas. yeah
3: i cannot suspend my disbelief here because of that what are they doing with the with that breed of corn at that time period am i
1: right <laughs> uh <laughs> do we, do we want to talk about
3: well i was thinking we'd start with the opening scene right
1: yeah let's do that i love the opening scene
3: i love how we don't see william's face at all yeah and it's not because it's not about him you know it's about the the council it's about um showing the the, the sexes separated between men and women on one side and generally children would also be on um the woman's side as well but in this case he wanted to be very clear that it was a, a gender difference that men were all on the right and all women I don't think
2: Robert right. Eggers gave a shit about the gender stuff I think he's just wanted to make a movie about a witch
3: no, he does give a shit about the gender stuff because it's true to the period. That's why, yeah. That's, that's what I mean. But then that's why he chose it specifically. Uh, but he did say specifically he chose to keep the, the boy children with the men and the boy and the girl children with the women so that to emphasize that division. Yeah, okay. So you have all of the, you have the, the faces of the children, you have the back of William's face. It's just, it's so interesting where he puts his perspective. In the, in this in this whole scene, like you'd think that all of the conflict is coming from the pride of William, but that's not what we care about. It's how it's affecting everybody else.
1: Yep, right. And it, I think another cool thing about not having his face in it at all is just to allow that that wonderful dialogue to carry the scene. Oh yeah, it's just uh, you know talking about how. <laughs> well, no, because I think it's great. I think it's talking about kind of the the hubris that he he thinks that that like pilgrimage has, and how he's like, I have it figured out. You guys don't. And so that's also Hubert. Oh, what he Williams says is Carver. fine.
2: It's just the way that he says it that pisses oh, me off. I, yeah. so.
1: Dude, Robert Anderson can say anything, and I'm just like, yep, I agree. That's fine. I, yeah. I, I, I want you to talk more, please. Just stop um, talking like that. So, yeah, I, I do think it's interesting that his head is not in it, and it, it lets the dialogue, and it kind of lets you kind of take a breath and take in the scene and kind of – because, again, like you said, the focus isn't really on him. It's about what's happening around him. And so I think that's an interesting way to do it. It, it, just by something simple is setting the frame below someone's head or not including their face in it, like you don't see mm-hmm. the dialogue delivered, so you focus more on what's in the frame, which again, I think is what you said is everything is just so built up in what you see on the in like in the frame that it doesn't matter if there's uh, a score behind it because there's no score during that part nope the the first bit of score shows up when they leave the uh, the plantation yeah uh what other scenes do you have
3: oh so i I, I think obviously the best. The best scene, the most widely remembered will be Caleb's exorcism or death. You know, whatever you Hmm. think of it it as there. Um, I mean, just there's actually that that, uh, line, kiss me with the the kisses of thy mouth. That's actually a a line that um, every now and then, like metal bands will borrow uh, lines from uh, horror movies and put them in. And so one of my favorite bands, Infinite Annihilator, has that in the. Oh, that's good.
1: Yeah, it's a it's. I thought you were going to say they borrow lines from hymns because hymns are like terribly graphic sometimes for weird reasons. Well, and that's
3: actually like the, 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 when he says that, that's actually, um, uh, an excerpt from John Winthrop, one of his, uh, prayers, which is actually, uh, an excerpt from Song of Solomon. So that, yeah, like it's, that's all borrowed from, from the Bible. So it's interesting to think about, to me, I think it's interesting to think about how he's more, more than likely illiterate, um, he probably, maybe, had never heard that before. And, I mean, he's such an, in such a state. Like, why is he saying it so eloquently? It almost feels like it's coming out of him, like it's possession, than it is something that he is familiar with.
1: Oh, yeah. That, oh, I yeah. That no, I, I don't think he's aware of what he's saying at all. No. Yeah.
2: Also about that scene, like, he just comes in naked in the rain, just hanging out on that fence post. Pretty weird yeah and then just bring him inside like the first thing we should do is cut his fucking face yeah what we all know what to do here found our son naked in the rain actually missing the woods for a couple
1: hours cut his face dude old-time medicine is absolutely bonkers yeah do some cocaine it'll get the ghost out of your blood (laughs) people used to brush their teeth with sugar everything about everything about old-time medicine is absolutely wrong oh (laughs) my gosh that's crazy uh but yeah again i i said it already i i think um, that's like one of the best bits of acting in the whole film. Uh, I will say there's, without getting into kind of my theories on that scene, uh, when he pukes up that apple, I am not someone who is like shy about gruesome scenes or gross stuff. I gag every time I see that. i I've, oh, really? I've watched, I've watched this like three times leading up to this podcast. I gag every time. There's just <laughs> something about it. I'm just like, it is so disgusting. That's
2: so weird to me because like, I usually have like a very big problem with scenes like that. And it did not bother me oh, really. A bit. Oh my yeah. god! Yeah, obviously. Like, oh, like literally, as like, soon as he started, I was like, "Oh, he's gonna throw up an apple." Yeah, I know, saw it was, coming. I knew it was yeah. coming. Yeah. I was
1: like, "Oh my god, this is." And I felt myself. I was like, "Don't do it." And I was like, "Gag!" Oh yeah. my god, it—it's just a very viscerally disgusting scene. I was, I, I just, was.
2: I love the scene when uh, Black Phillip just fucks the dad up.
0: <laughs> I love it, dude. Like, yeah, I'm that that like
2: pretty. that goat. A sneaky as hell. How did no one hear him coming? Mm. All right. B devils in the show. He gets him good, dude. Oh, and then yeah. he's all fucking like wheelie in before he attacks him
1: again. I'm like this goat is a boss, dude. So, yeah. uh that goat put Ralph Innocent in the hospital 3 times during filming. They what? Did I yeah. didn't know that. He That's said, crazy. That said, goat's badass. He was like he was like, "Yep, he knocked me about uh it didn't break one of his ribs. It dislocated his rib, which huh, apparently gross. is more painful. Yeah, than a the mountain's very painful. Yeah. Uh. So yeah, he was like, yeah, he was like, yeah, I went to the hospital a couple of times because of old Black Phillip. So yeah, yeah. You like, know what's also, he's like, yeah,
3: the goat's no joke. Yeah, you know what's actually also crazy? Like a big part of like why it, it's always rearing like that. Um, they actually had trainers with ropes on him that they CGI'd out
2: no way oh yeah
3: there's actually a lot i thought this
2: goat might be the best actor in the movie until you just ruined it for me so
3: yeah no there's a lot of cgi in this film all of the nudity there's actually modesty suits that they have and then that's post that's posted
2: so i actually had a question
3: about that because she's 16 um same with caleb caleb's underage too and he's naked on that fence post
2: yeah he also gets kissed by a grown fucking woman
1: I mean, yeah, the part's gross. Like, yeah, dude. but like
3: culturally, that's not weird in some places,
1: you know. Okay, well, it's weird here in America but where saying, I live. But I'm saying, like, like Anna Taylor Joy, she can't be actually nude on screen. Like, there's no way. Right. And so, I, so I'm actually glad you brought that up because that was a question I had. I was like, how how can they film that? Because there's just, there's just no way that so that's legal, like legal yeah. in any way. And yeah. so, same you with you the uh, witch,
3: the the witch's butt. In the, when she's naked in the hovel, like all of those, the, they're, uh, the, the group kind of at the old end, lady witch? Yeah.
2: Okay. Then, yeah, of course. I'm pretty fake. sure, though, that the. She looks the, just like the lady from The
1: Shining.
3: Yeah. But I'm pretty sure that the witch's Sabbath at the end, they are all nude. That
1: would that one's make different. more sense because they're that adults and yeah. so they can consent to do something.
3: Yeah. But the old witch was also, also had a modesty suit on.
1: I, uh, okay. I'm yeah. just saying, I'm glad you cleared that up for me because I was watching this. I was like, this isn't right at all. I mean, just. I think for the scene, it all fits. It makes sense in the scene. But uh, just in the back of my mind, I was like, how can they film this? Like, this can't, you can't film a 16-year-old walking around naked. You can't do that. So thank you for clearing that up. I was very confused on that. All right. So we've talked about apples. We've talked about witches. But we haven't really gotten into um, the hairs or the silver chalice. So I think that's kind of a good spot to to end this uh, part one here. And then, next episode we'll kind of dive deeper into what what does what does the apple mean, uh, what does the devil's book mean, what does the chalice, the hair, uh, what 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 do they mean to the story, and then what symbolic meanings do they have as well. And so we'll dive more into those uh, next episode. Uh, but for that, uh, for Jaden and Calvin, I'm your host Connor, and uh, thank you for listening to Now This is Podcasting.